In this edition of the podcast, Aussie artists feature prominently in Milan. We speak with Judith Blackall about the exhibition and the diverse range of Australian artists on show. And bushfires, they create tension and disruption for regional galleries and their communities. But there's no doubting their resilience. We'll speak to two galleries in bushfire-affected areas about how they're coping with the stress and the lack of visitors to their galleries. I'm Tim Stackpool, and this is Inside the Gallery. Thanks, of course, for downloading the podcast once again and for joining us in 2020. Now, don't be too disappointed because the show is being produced on the road this month. I don't have the podcast prize wheel here with me at the moment. It's just not portable. So rather than having the wheel determine which interviews come first in this show, I'm making a captain's call. First, let's catch up with Judith Blackall, who has been involved in a very unique and prestigious exhibition of Australian artists in Italy, titled Australian Antipodean Stories. It boasts being the largest exhibition of Australian contemporary art to be presented outside of Australia. Judith is on the line to talk to us. Thanks so much for joining us once again on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Now, this sounds rather exciting, to be honest, all these Australian Mm. artists being shown in Italy. But can you give us an idea of how it all came together and what your involvement was? Right. Well, it's curated by Eugenio Viola, and he's uh, a young Italian curator Mm. who I met many years ago he was um, curator at Madre, which is the Museo d'Arte di Donna Regina in Naples. And he was doing a great job there. Really interesting artist he was working with, uh, international artist. And at a certain point, he decided he wanted to broaden his horizons. He was going well in Italy, but he took a job at Pica in Perth. And oh, okay. um, so, he, so he was chief curator or senior curator at the Perth Contemporary Art Centre. Mm-hmm. And so he was there for about two years. And the time he was here in Australia, he was very, very active. He worked with many top artists, but he also travelled a lot and and got to know a lot of you know really leading artists. So he's since left. He's gone actually still in the Southern Hemisphere, but he's gone to Bogota in Colombia, where he's chief curator. Mm-hmm. But he also has very good, still has very good contact back in Italy. So he was speaking to the senior curator at uh, PAC in Milano, which is PAC is the Padiglione d'Arte Contemporanea, and it's a city of Milano's contemporary art space. So, right. it's, so it's not a small space. It's uh, been going for about 40 years. So it's... Um, got a very established reputation for showing international artists, but also solo projects. And this exhibition of uh, contemporary art from Australia fits in with um, a number of exhibitions, not many, but perhaps one a year or one every you know, 18 months, where they invite a curator, in this case it's Eugenio, to present an exhibition of contemporary art from a particular nation. And right. um, so this selection of 32 contemporary Australian artists is Eugenio's selection, so he's curated the project. But I lived and worked in Italy for many years, so I have also quite a few connections, mm. And but also being Australian. So I was in the good position of just being invited, first of all, to write uh, for the catalogue, but then to work with them on a number of logistical aspects. So, yeah. Yes, yeah, so because you, you have a history with the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney and also with the uh, National Art School. Exactly, yeah, that's right. And so I know, I know all the artists 
so I was able to negotiate and talk to them and be I mean I'm at least I'm in the same time zone so who were the artists well that were, yes give us give us a rundown it's a great lineup um well I'll tell you some yeah. of them or all of them really so <laughs> Vernon Aki so Tony Albert they're in alphabetical order Kadim Ali Brooke Andrew uh, Richard Bell Daniel Boyd Maria Fernanda Cardoso Barbara Cleveland the artist group from Sydney Destiny Deacon mm. Hayden Fowler oh yes Marco Fusinato, who and Marco has the next. Um, he's been selected for to represent Australia at Venice at the next Venice Biennale in two years' time. Mm-hmm. Agatha Go Snape from Sydney, Julie Goff from Tasmania, Fiona Hall also from Tasmania, who represented mm-hmm. Australia. Mm, when was that? 2015, I think, at in Venice. Dale Harding from Queensland, yep. Nic- Nicholas Mangan, yep. Angelica Messiti, who represented Australia this year. So, some of the, quite a few of the artists already have international connections. Archie Moore. And how how long is this list, Judith? <laughs> <laughs> We're halfway through. Okay, keep going, keep going. I'll keep going. Callum Morton from Melbourne, Tom Nicholson, also from Melbourne, Jillor, performance <laughs> artist, sort of a veteran, yep. Mike Parr as well. Patricia Piccinini, Stuart Ringholt, Khaled Sabsabi, Yoni Skars, Soda Jerk, Christian Thompson, James Tyler, Judy Watson, Jason Wing, and Nyapa Nyapa Yunipingu. So 32. It's very diverse. Yes. Yes, it is very diverse. Eugenia wasn't interested in a theme or a statement about Australian art. I mean, I think that's very difficult. But he is interested in political standpoints. And 15 of these 32 artists are of Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander descent. So mm-hmm. there's a very strong political stance uh, right. from, a, from an Indigenous perspective. And it's very interesting because, you know, artists like Brooke Andrew, who are, are doing other, are working in other fields. Brooke Andrew is the next director of the Sydney Biennale this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're quite, you know, a lot of high profile artists. And they've all contributed beautiful works, like excellent, outstanding, um, major, major pieces. Mm. And some of them came and did site-specific works in the spaces. So that was re- that was interesting. And they couldn't invite everyone, which was a kind of a pity. But about um, ten artists came to Milan for the right. opening, and uh, and got to know you know some of the artists in Milan and and got to know a bit the scene in, in Milan, so that was mm. good. And you, of course, went over there. Mm. How, how well was it received by those who appreciate art in Europe? Well, it seemed very well received. Mm. Um, lots of people at the opening. The opening had uh, Mike Parr were, did one of his recent performances where he painted blind uh, he closed his eyes and for about oh. 40 minutes he yeah, right. painted an untitled black square right in the first space of of the exhibition right and uh, it was it was good and really well attended and the Milanese audiences are very they're not like Australian or in fact they're very polite and no one was talking everyone was very attentive and mm. quiet during the whole performance and so that so was very um very good. But lots of press as well. There was a press conference that morning and the Assessore alla Cultura of Milan spoke and Eugenia spoke. So then following that, 
a lot of press in the local and national papers. Mm. And just recently, um, Stuart Ringholt has been so been there, and he's done a number of his performances. Um, he did two anger workshops, and then one one of his naturist tours of yep. the exhibition. Yes, yes, familiar with those. Getting your kid off and walking around the gallery. Exactly, yes. led by the artist, also yes. naked. Yes. And, uh, it was very cold in Milan. <laughs> I was a bit worried because <laughs> <laughs> I hope they they ramped up the the um, central heating, the air conditioning, of course. Um, yes. Now, now on the, the larger scope of this, when you get artists. So many artists from Australia mm. then in an yes. exhibition in, in a place such as Milan. Yes. What does that do in terms of carrying on the acceptance or the respect of mm. art and Australian artists over there in Europe? That's an interesting question. I think as a sort of a global phenomenon, it kind of, I don't think it works that people will say, you who Australian art, great. I think audiences in Milan will be looking at individual practices, mm -hmm. individual artist works, because as a whole, you couldn't sort of say this is fabulous new direction. There yeah. are strong points all the way through it, and mm. and it does actually take a lot of work to get into those. And they published a very good uh, education guide, so there's a 32-page you know, little booklet that you mm. get when you come in, which explains all the answers. And if that's too much to read while you're going around, mm. you can take it home. So so there does need to be those kinds of ways to understand what's going on here yeah. in Australia through these works. And I mean, artists like I think Angelica Mesiti already have, you know, they're well known in Europe. Angelica now lives in Paris. And so artists like that are already kind of active on yeah. the, in the international scene. So do Jerk as well. They live in New York. Like I said uh, earlier, it, it's so diverse, the range of artists there, and yes. their work is so diverse. You wouldn't have an individual going in there and, and saying, oh, that's such a typical Australian piece of work, be because there wouldn't be any that. such thing in no. that collection. No, that's absolutely true, and that's that's one of the strengths of the selection of artists. They're really exploring many, many different facets of contemporary Australian life. So, for example, artists who have arrived here as refugees, like Kadim Mali or Khaled Sabsabi, who mm. are exploring you know, very different East and Middle Eastern perspectives, along with the Aboriginal artists, the artists from Queensland or from Tasmania or South Australia. They're really, really at such a diversity of points of view and perspectives and approaches yeah. Yeah, um, and then then there are the you know the history of, of contemporary Australian art with artists who have been working in the field for all their lives, like Mike Parr and Jill Orr. It's very, a very nice thing happened through this process in that Mike Parr and Dale Harding have started a conversation around what they would be doing. Mike Parr has two early photographs of him in the Australian landscape in the seventies, so he would have been. 32 or something. Dale Harding at that point wasn't even born, but Dale has been researching a lot of his his ancestral country, which yeah. is around Carnarvon Gorge. And he, and he recognised from the landscape in Mike Parr's photographs that this was around Carnarvon Gorge. And there's a picture of there of, of Mike. It's quite a famous uh, series. He takes some burnt charcoal from a burnt tree there in the landscape and he, he marks his ribs. So he draws on his body. Right. And um, so it's a documented performance, really, for the mm. camera in the mm. landscape. And 
So Dale said, well, that's my country that you're doing that on. <laughs> Let's talk about, you know, this and what that means. And, mm. and so it was a very gentle, in Mike's words, a gentle conversation um, unfolded. And then Dale also did a site-specific wall painting which referenced Mike's work but also referenced his own strong connections to country and and yeah and so that was a good good outcome mm. be- between artists across generations as yeah. well and, and intercultural yeah exciting stuff yeah it's, it's good it's good and you know big thank you to all the artists who and yeah. their galleries who um, yeah. very um, strongly participated. Yes, and thanks to you too. I mean, it's part of your advocacy and, and I guess your ambassadorship of being involved in art in Australia, of course, helps True. us take that yes. to the world. So that's very much appreciated. Now, before we finish up, though, I just want to mention very shortly in the podcast, we're going to talk to a number of galleries who have been affected by fires over the last few well, month, months, yes. weeks. Yes. You have a place, a property you own in the Shoalhaven as well. How are True. things going with you? Well, it's worrying. Uh-huh. So a lot of this summer... We've been scanning the horizon and each morning and right now I'm at the window looking out and everything's very still. It's very smoky again. And, you know, we had some rain, which is fantastic. We thought, oh, well, now, you know, we can move on. Everything's Mm. wet, but it's Uh -uh. very hot this morning. Mm. Well, today it was hot. Now there are little bits of ash floating down again. So we're again on the alert and, um, and so it's worrying. It's just the you know the smell of smoke in the air. Just all those anxieties resurface until we start thinking about packing bags and yeah. putting around buckets. Yep. We don't have enough to be able to defend no. the place here, but we um, are opposite a beautiful big big stand of of trees between us and the beach. So. It's uh, a little bit vulnerable. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, wishing you all the very best, Judith. And always lovely to speak to you on the podcast. I think I think it was actually a year ago this month that we spoke to you about uh, the Arthur Boyd travelling exhibition. So always beautiful to catch up with you, Judith, and, and good luck with everything throughout the year. Thank you, Tim. We'll speak again soon, I hope. Yes, definitely. I hope so too. Judith Blackall there telling us about a most extensive exhibition of Australian artists in Milan. So let's head back home now and a catch-up with a couple of regional galleries affected by those bushfires we quickly mentioned with Judith there. Many galleries in rural areas are operated by community groups, voluntarily, and while that enjoys a great sense of camaraderie, it also leaves gallery operations vulnerable during those times when natural disasters such as bushfires swing the focus to protecting personal property. Now, this season most definitely has been exceptional – and many towns have also suffered as tourists have been told to evacuate local towns or stay away. Bushfires threaten property, life, mental health and commercial interests. And many galleries in the country have already been affected, so let's speak to a few of them. First of all, the Point Gallery and Craft in Greenwell Point. It's governed by a local committee where Jan Goodwin is the current president and Margaret White is the secretary. And I took the opportunity to ask Margaret first of all about the history of the gallery. In 2008, uh, there was a a group of uh, crafters that were meeting down at the local caravan park and there were several women from that group who decided that there was enough craft and art being made within Greenwell Point to actually try and put it on the marketplace. So uh, we got a little grant from uh, the community group that was already here 
and commenced here on the 8th of August in 2008. Now, opening a gallery is uh, tough at any time, uh, but of course in the current economic climate it can be even more difficult. How do you guys keep the money coming in? Is it, is it continually looking for grants? How is your rental situation here? How does all that work? Well, we don't make a lot of money here. We cover our expenses. We look at it from the point of view that whatever we sell, we take a commission. And the balance goes back into the community by with the sales that, that, that people make. So as long as we cover our, our costs, we don't we don't make a lot of profit. It, that's what it boils down to. Yes, well, I mean, you, you, do, you have set yourself up. You do have a committee. Now, in terms of whose art you carry, how do you determine that? That is uh, via the, the process of uh, we, we have people who want to come into the gallery. We only have a certain number of people, uh, or should I say members, who can actually put an item into the gallery. Uh, we have a, what would you call it, Jana? We have a, a small limit on every craft that comes into the gallery. Um, we might have 20 crafts here, but we have three in each of those crafts, so we don't get X, um, uh, X amount of craft within that group. We've got um, painting, knitting, um, pottery, um, leatherwork, leather woodwork. In terms of you operating as a committee and always dealing with an artistic temperament amongst those who supply for you, I mean, how challenging does it get? I mean, all you guys are volunteers. I mean, are there, are there times when you think it's all getting too hard, we need to lock down our regulations? I mean, do you, do you suffer from that as well in this little community that you have? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We, we do have that situation occasionally where um, it doesn't suit the person that wants to come in. And we've just simply got to say, well, there's our bylaws. Uh, that's our constitution. If you read through that, if that doesn't suit you, then uh, we can't help you. It's, that doesn't happen very often. But we do have to follow our, our bylaws. And every so often, we'll come across a situation where we, we need to amend those bylaws to cater to a certain area of, that we've not come across before. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to have a chat with you particularly is because of what has been happening down here in the Shoalhaven in the news recently with, with the bushfires coming through and the threats from that. Directly, the town of Greenwell Point hasn't been affected apart from the fact that tourists were asked to leave, to evacuate essentially because the risk was so high. Now, as you said, you don't have a great turnover anyway. With tourists being asked to leave the town because of the bushfire threat, the opportunity to sell is even less. I mean, in terms of not just your gallery, but in terms of the community, this must have a significant effect on you guys. It has had an effect. We've had to close our doors. Possibly not because there weren't any people in town, but also because of the, the actual threat that was here. We didn't know whether we were safe. There was a lot of members in town who didn't want to leave their homes to sit up here and maybe be at risk. So that had its effect on the gallery because we're all volunteers. Um, as far as the uh, number of people that came through town, it was like a ghost town. It really was like a ghost town. You could you know, fire a bullet and not hit anybody. Galleries such as this offer opportunities for artists who perhaps may not have the opportunity to show anywhere else. If someone was interested in bringing some of their work into your gallery, how do people go about doing that? 
we have what we call a, an exhibition wall, which is uh, four higher. Um, it's the first wall as you walk in on the right-hand side, and that's they can they can have that for as long as they like, and they pay a fee for that, and then they pay a commission on any sales. So we're very open to exhibitions of of all manner, uh, not just artwork. Well, great accessibility, and you have a lovely gallery here. It's always lovely to come and visit you guys whenever we're down this way. And Jane and Margaret, thank you so much for your time on Inside the Gallery. Margaret White and Jan Goodwin there from the Point Gallery and Craft in Greenwell Point, mainly affected by the lack of visitors to the area because of the proximity of the fires. But what about those galleries at Ground Zero? The holiday destination of Batemans Bay has been shattered by the bushfires and the lack of tourists over the holiday period, and the gallery in Mogo to the south is similarly affected. Robert Creed is the current president of the cooperative Creative Arts Batemans Bay Incorporated, better known as Cabby, which operates the gallery. Robert, thanks for taking the time to join us on the podcast. No problem. First of all, can you let us know what it is that your your gallery or your organisation does and the type of artists that, whose, whose work we can see in your space? Well, it's, it's actually quite extensive um, and it cuts across lots of different media and goes into craft, which is one of the most successful areas that we've gone into. We've been around for 35 years mm. and uh, to be quite honest, it's had a very narrow definition of visual arts, which is more traditionally based, mm-hmm. um, but that's changed over the last uh, 12 months and we've now expanded that into what most people would understand to be a current definition of um, visual arts to include uh, digital art and photography, etc. Yeah, well, if you look at people's uh, responses and, and comments on Facebook and on Google, a lot of people are very surprised when they first walk into the space and the gallery and go, how did we not know this was here? This was the best stop on our entire trip. I, I, do you get a lot of that reaction? Uh, we do. We've been around a long time. Like um, Ken Tabor started this together with Betty Griffiths and Eunice Cole way back uh, with the first meeting in 1984. So... Mm. It's been building a lot of uh, momentum, changing location, and it's been at MoGo now for the gallery there uh, for the last 20 years. So it's very well established, and uh, our exhibition, our yearly exhibition, uh, which we've just finished, um, uh, has been uh, very well received over the years, and that's usually judged, and usually about 10 categories cutting across um, vinyls, mixed medias, digital art, uh, oil painting, you know, the whole gambit. Now, of course, the reason why there's such a focus on you guys at the moment is because you've been surrounded by bushfires. And, of course, we're only halfway through the bushfire season through summer. How did that affect you guys? I mean, we saw pictures of uh, even the zoo down there being surrounded by flames, giraffes surrounded by flames. But in terms of artists down there, in terms of your gallery in the town, how did you guys find it? How did you guys survive? Well, uh, <laughs> very nervously. Right. A, lot, a, lot of, a lot of our uh, members uh, were totally devastated, lost everything. Oh, wow. Um, uh, we were lucky at Mogo. About 40, 30 to 40% of Mogo was destroyed, but mm. we were down the southern end, so the gallery was still intact, and we're now back and operating again um, because the power's back on. So... Mm. Uh, business as usual and uh, people have been fantastic and they've been rolling up uh, to support the community down there. So that's been really um, 
edifying. Yeah. And uh, we had to close the exhibition here. We usually, our exhibition usually has about 250 odd paintings and uh, it's usually very well attended from people from Canberra. But this year, um, we opened it for the first time on the foreshore in the bay mm. and uh, opened it before Christmas and it was going quite well until the fires started to take hold and mm. we basically had to shut it down uh, yeah. because we, we had um, members that were rostered on that were being evacuated two or three times. Yeah, it's, it's almost unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, we know how these sort of events affect entire communities, but when you kind of narrow it down and you think, well, how is this going to affect an art gallery? How is this going to affect artists? But really, it comes down to the fact, well, my property is at risk and I have to take care of it. So everything else gets pushed into the background. My craft is not important anymore. No, that's right. No, people's safety is number one priority. And um, whenever you're doing a, a non-profit organisation like us, I always say it's got to work for you personally. During the, the fire emergencies, all the members gathered around and we just looked after one another as mm. we went through. People stayed in one another's paces as various people were evacuated. So it, a lot of people just stepped up to during that time, which was really good. The great difficulty is, of course, getting people back into the area. And as soon as as soon as soon the Shoalhaven area was cleared for visitors, I mean, I certainly went down there. I took the family down there. We spoke to some people at Greenwell Point earlier in this podcast. But in terms of what you're seeing down there, do you think it will take a while for the tourists to return? I mean, I did understand that some businesses were saying, well, we may as well pack up and close up until Easter. Is that the feeling that's down there, or have I got it wrong? Well, it, it's kind of changed a bit. Um, yep. Again, because of the literally the international coverage that the South Coast has got, hmm. um, a lot of people have done exactly what you did, have, have come back down to the coast. So it's certainly been observed you know, over the last couple of weeks, an increase in the number of visitations down right. here. There's no doubt about that. Right. Uh, and generally over the last year prior to the fires, the visitations were up on last year. So things were kind of heading in the right direction. Our primary concern, I think, is once we get through the next couple of months and the recovery starts to get in, I think it's most probably likely that you'll see the visitation drop off oh. and certainly after Easter it might get back to, um, you know, normal uh, visitor profiles for the year. Mm. In terms of what art brings to communities such as yours, and there's a great camaraderie that's created amongst artists who are exhibiting together, if there had been a loss of your venue, I mean, how devastating would that have been just in terms of the sense of community that you guys have there? Oh, it would have been devastating. I mean, we we had, uh, you know, 55 artists involved, mm. 220 paintings, lots of arts and crafts. So if people lost all that, it would have been uh, devastating. But because we were right on the foreshore this year, um, we were very lucky, although um, a lot of members' houses were uh, totally impacted yeah. or just the the uh, the nervous stress of having to um, evacuate three times over yeah. a period of three or four weeks. And yeah, mm. so it's always top of mind, unfortunately. And absolutely, yeah. And and that's the reason why we're in touch, you know, because it's a matter of of supporting, of giving a level of support as much as we can. I mean, there's thoughts and prayers all the time, but it's all about yeah. getting people down to visit you, or across to visit you once again. And we're not just talking about 
the southern parts of New South Wales here. We're talking about right across the country, wherever oh, absolutely uh, wherever artists may be affected by the current uh, situation. Well, I, I think the creative community is the glue in many ways that binds it all together. Mm. And uh, that's certainly come to the fore um, over the uh, break and to the extent that we're, we had to close the exhibition a couple of times because we had no power. Then we closed it a week early because of the situation. But we're uh, reopening and just having a pop-up um, artisan's market as another attempt to try and just bring people together and again all the proceeds will go to uh, the rural fire services lovely so um that's kind of the, the way that we're dealing with it at the moment but we've just had a committee meeting yesterday and we're looking at longer term strategies um we just had an approach from uh, photo access in canberra and they want to do a photographic exhibition um using people's photographs of what they experienced in the mm. fires, possibly mm. in the June weekend. Mm. Uh, so there's lots of other organisations that we're talking with uh, to try and bring this to the fore and work out ways that we can help people in a more meaningful way. Robert, look, I wish you all the very best. It's lovely for you to take the time to speak to us, even though front of mind, back of mind, you're still thinking about the, the fire threat which is around you and uh, really appreciate your time on the podcast. Not a problem. Thanks a lot, Tim. Robert Creed there from CABI, Creative Arts Batemans Bay Incorporated, talking about how their local arts cooperative and the MoGo community has been affected by recent bushfires. And like I mentioned to Robert, I did take the family down there as soon as it was given the all clear by the rural fire services. And of course, you are very much urged to head to any of those bushfire affected areas. Do what you can to help the local economy, but of course, only head to those galleries and those towns and those bushfire affected areas if it's indicated that it's safe to do so. And that is the podcast for now. And don't forget to like and share our Facebook and Instagram pages to keep up to date on all the things that we love. And you can find the links at our website, www.insidethegallery.com.au where you can also subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And of course, transcripts of our interviews can be downloaded from there as well. I'm Tim Stackpole, and again, reminding you that when you're in the gallery, remove your backpack, okay? Bye-bye for now.